0: Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Daily MTG Podcast. I'm your host, Trickjeer. Here with me is Tifa Mayan and Mike Robles. How are you guys doing?
1: Good, good. Played my first two league games today. Good. Uh, Won the first one, lost the second one.
0: Who'd you play against?
1: I played against Mike, and I played against Gavin.
0: So clearly you beat Gavin and
2: lost to Mike.
1: That's my prediction.
2: Yeah, that works. We are back. I'm excited for episode two. Just want to say thank you to everyone for all the
0: feedback. The feedback was largely positive all around, which was fantastic. The two points that were really critical, but fairly critical, were better recording system, which we're working on and we will have for the next episode. Yep. And uh, the RSS feed slash inclusion in iTunes, which are also still under works. Uh, as I've explained, a couple of places on Twitter or Reddit or stuff like that is that, is that. The system we use to run the Daily MTG website isn't really designed for podcasting, so we're sort of forcing it to do things it doesn't want to do. So there's a little bit of, of finagling and uh, hammer on metallic objects happening there. <laughs> <laughs> but we are back, episode two here, and this is also going to be the first episode which we will have our first guest. Yay! And in fact, it is a member of R&D, an official member of R&D, as of uh, just a couple days ago. I think yesterday. Well, as of recording yesterday, but as of broadcasting (laughs) a couple days ago. Days ago, for sure. Uh, Gavin Verhey, who you will know from, of course, writing Reconstructed on Daily MTG, as well as for Star City Games, or as a uh, broadcaster for SCG Live. He'll be joining us in the podcast booth in just a little while. And we're going to talk this episode about the upcoming Pro Tour here in Seattle and the Fantasy Pro Tour. So hopefully you all have signed on to Facebook and filled out your Fantasy Pro Tour. If you haven't done that yet, do it now while you listen to us because we're going to talk about it a fair bit more it's very coming down the road. But before we get to that, let's talk about League. You, Jennifer, you brought up League. Yeah. Uh, what, what deck are you playing?
1: Well, we should probably explain what League is. Sure. Let's,
0: let's yeah. dive into <laughs> what our company League is. Absolutely.
1: So our company, every set has our own league uh, we get six boosters from the set and get to build a deck yep and then from there we actually have the opportunity every week to draft a pack for your deck really exciting a great way for the employees to get to participate in the new set right uh, and play against people of different departments which is always really awesome
0: there's a couple of times every week where there's organized get-togethers if you need to find people to play against but A lot of us just email or message within the office saying, hey, do you have time to play? Like I know Robles and I have done that a couple of times. I just throw things over the cube wall to Jennifer to get her attention so we can play. (laughs) So what have you got there, Jennifer?
1: Surprise, surprise, another Selesnia deck. This time I am splashing blue, uh, and the most exciting card in my deck is Collective Blessing. I've actually got to play this... In a couple different decks now but i'm enjoying it in the league deck
0: so collective blessing for those who don't know is 3ggw so it's 6 mana to cast it it's an enchantment and it says uh, creatures you control get +3/+3 plus three, plus three.
1: it's Out. like over it's like overrun only right. all the time it's but
0: like
2: yeah. overrun without the trample but all the time right it seems it's like good a, so it, is, it is good it
0: seems like a fair <laughs> trade
1: And I I actually haven't had it come out in a league game yet, but I am waiting for that because I know in a draft I did, it did win me games. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm hoping that happens here at work too. Uh, And I also have realized that Tristani's Judgment is a great card.
0: So that's the 5W, right?
1: Yep, 5W, Exile Target Creature, then Populate. Uh, This helped against my game with Gavin today. Even though I didn't win, it definitely helped Keep it more even right. you know, across the course of the game. So
0: that's some basic level card advantage there for new players. You know, you're you're spending one spell to get rid of one of your opponent's spells, and you're populating, so you're gaining a token while you do it.
1: It two is literally a two for one. A two for one.
0: <laughs> for two for one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike, what are you playing?
2: Uh, I am playing a Rakdos deck, with, but I'm splashing a bit of Golgari. Um, uh, much like the pre-release, I got sort of the Royal Sampler. So I got a lot of black-red, which really helped, but not enough to go full Rakdos. So I ended up splashing green, mainly because I had uh, two Trestle Trolls, which have helped me out in multiple games. So Trestle Trolls. Four. is the one black and one green, so three. Defender, one four, Reach and he's, you can regenerate him, so he's helped me out. And then I pull the Death's Presence, which is whenever, which is 5 and a green, uh, and whenever a creature you control dies, but X plus 1 plus 1 counters on target creature, where X is the power of the creature that died. So with Trestle's Troll, what I've really noticed is that 4
0: Toughness is pretty much an insurmountable thing. You don't really go past the 4 Toughness. Yeah. So having a, a, a 4 Toughness Defender really plays like a great wall for you. Especially on turn 3s.
1: I've noticed that too, and actually the... Rhino with hexproof. That's three, four. I didn't realize how good it was until yeah. I had noticed that.
0: Yeah, I mean centaurs, the rhino. Uh, it's four toughness. Like for me, I have a couple of cards with four toughness that are just critical for my my deck's defense. But death's presence. You played that against me, Mike. I did. Yeah, it's
2: it's helped out a lot when you've got other cards that like I've got the, uh, the Udvara Hellkite. Is it Udvara? How do you say that? Advara. Advara. I've got the the (laughs) Advara Hellkite. It's 6 red rat and it's 6 6 flying dragon. And whenever a dragon you control attacks, you put another 6 6 red dragon onto the uh, token onto the battlefield. So he played that
0: against me, and then I played my aerial predation, which is. 2G, instant, destroy target, flying creature, and gain 2 life. So immediately I knew I had to kill the Hellkite. The problem was he had Death's Presence on the board. So he then piles all of these counters onto his Swamp Walker, and I can't do anything against it.
2: Yep. So it's it's <laughs> out of the pan into the fryer. Do I leave your 6-6 six, six dragons and make more 6-6 six, six dragons out, or do I destroy him and make your unblockable guy bigger? Right. So F1, 6 the
0: other. So both of you are basically following your same pre-release strategies. Tifa, you got Celestia rocking over there. Yep.
1: Yeah.
2: Robles, you actually got to pull off what you were trying to pull off at the pre-release, right? No, no. At the pre-release, I was trying to do the, uh, the. uh well, yeah, I guess I was. I was trying to do the Corpse Shack Menace-Ragdos combo, which necessarily didn't work. Uh, so I ended up just going full Golgari, which didn't right. help me at all during the pre-release. And so I'm not full, I'm not relying heavily on... Scavenge in this deck. I've got a lot of unleashed creatures. Okay. Uh, and so I've basically got the Trustful Trolls to sort of help defend against my unleashed creatures until I can get either my Carnival Hellsteed or Udvara Hellkite out there.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So same guilds, different game plan, all will Exactly, yeah. 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 What
2: about you, Trick? What are you playing?
0: Uh, I am playing Golgari Dos, which is Golgari Rakdos, <laughs> but I'm only playing black Rakdos creatures. So I'm actually just straight up green black. And I'm sort of splitting the, the party line between those two guilds because I don't have a whole bunch of scavenge, but I don't have a lot of unleash either. So I'm trying to find the balance between them. And I'll tell you what, my deck has... I went 3-0, and then I went 0-2 today because of uh, Gavin beat me and then Mike just beat me. But I started off real strong, and I have to tell you, Gerard, the
2: guild leader, is no joke. Like, Yeah, when you when you dropped him, I was like, oh, nuts. Like Our, our, our third game, as soon as he came out, I, yeah. s- I started sweating.
0: So Gerard is 4 mana. He's GG, BB, or black, black, green, green. What he says is he's a 2-2, and he gets plus 1, plus 1 for each creature in your graveyard. On top of that, he has the ability for 3 mana for 1 black, green. You sacrifice another creature, so you can't sacrifice Gerard to himself, but you sacrifice another creature. And each opponent loses life equal to the amount of power for that creature sacrificed. And if Gerard does end up in your graveyard you can sacrifice a swamp and a forest to return him to your hand. So even if he goes wow. and dies, you can bring him back. We, we, I just did an Ask Wizards for this last week, so I'll go ahead <laughs> and bring this up for players who are wondering. if you, you can't sacrifice just an overgrown tomb to bring bring Gerard back. <laughs> you have to sacrifice an overgrown tomb and an additional forest or swamp. <laughs> so, That's good to know. Uh, Gerard, though, is a beast.
2: I took two losses today That's that's just the way it goes We had I mean we had Pretty decent games We had great like, games yeah, yeah we had some good games And we went to game three For our, I to Just getting the Typical beat down That I always get from Tifa It was like Well <laughs> our games We actually had Back and forth matches right. I mean, our first game actually was kind of okay. Between your, you your first and game I. between you and Tifa. Uh, the first game between Tifa and I, yeah. yeah. sorry. Internet, you should know this by now. If you listen to me on any podcast, I assume that you guys are watching me. <laughs> so I always talk with my hands and point at things that you cannot see. But yeah, so Tifa, my first, our first game against you was actually a little bit back and forth. You still managed to want me, but the second game, you're like, Oh, I've got an 88 8 Elemental. And I'm going to populate. <laughs> it's like, I quit. There's no... Yeah. Even my, my two 1-4 Trolls would stop one of them and then forget it. Or it wouldn't even yeah. stop. He would still live. Yeah. But I wouldn't take 8 damage for a turn. It's just like, nope.
1: Well, game 1, game one, we actually both had a lot of creatures out. Yeah. I found that splashing Detain is really good in a Slesnia deck. Right. Uh, because you're already having more creatures than your opponent. And if you have Detain in there as well then that's like slowing down their creature build-up even more.
0: And also disallowing them from blocking sometimes. So Yeah. yeah. There's a really good synergy between Detain and populate slash Celestia's creature horde. Well, like I said, uh, we have Gavin going to be in here just in a little bit, so we'll be switching over to have our guest, our first-ever guest, for the Daily MTG podcast. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we're going to be talking the Fantasy Pro Tour. I mentioned to you guys, if you haven't done it yet, you should do it now. This is your second chance. I'm giving you another warning reminder to do it. <laughs> uh, it's really easy to find it. You go to a fan, you go to Facebook.com and in the search bar, you type in fantasy pro tour and it should be one of the first, it should be the first response that comes up when you search for it. You go in there and you're going to pick your roster. It's just like, you know, for those of you who play fantasy sports, it's just like picking your fantasy team for this one specific event. And you're going to pick nine cards in a number of categories and as a tiebreaker you're going to pick the pro player that you think is going to do best and so the way it's done though is because this is a modern format event we've actually trimmed down the available options because otherwise you'd have hundreds and hundreds of cards in each category so what you do is you go through and you'll pick you know from the planeswalkers which planeswalker do you think is going to do best this weekend and by doing best we most represented it in the top decks from the event and you go through and you pick this and you can see how your friends will end up doing after the event you can't see your friend's roster unless they share it with you by taking a screenshot or something like that. But you can at least talk with your friends to see what they're picking and see where it all goes. So like I said, go to Facebook.com, search for Fantasy Pro Tour, and fill out your roster so that you guys can hear what we think is going to do well at the Pro Tour and hear what Gavin Verhey, R&D developer, thinks is going to do well at the Pro Tour.
2: How much Return to Ravnica
0: have you guys gotten to play? Quite a bit. I've done a couple of drafts. Uh, I've been doing Cube Draft on Magic Online a fair bit also right now since it's up. But I have done a fair bit of Return to Ravnica.
2: I have not gotten to play that much Return to Ravnica. That's Just because... I've, I know, it's sad. It's But I'm busy. I'm a busy man. I got lots of stuff going on. That sounds here. like an excuse to me. I know. I need I need to have less of a life so I can play more magic. <laughs> <laughs> See, magic
1: is my life. Right. So that that solves that problem. Well,
2: I'm asking because I want to know, like, since you guys have gotten... Since you guys have had much more exposure to the set, I mean, especially from, you know, Trick, you handle the preview content, and TFA you handle all the art, like, I, for the most part... See it, see see the sets. and get to play with them as they come out. Like yes, right. I get to look at some of the preview stuff, but I don't get to actually mess with the cards until they actually come out. And you guys sort of have this long-standing relationship with the cards before all of this happens. So I mean, let's talk about what your some of your favorite cards from the set are. Like, do you have an absolute favorite? Do you have some of your favorites? One of my favorite
0: cards from Return of America is actually the one that uh, actually that uh, the Wizard's Twitter account got to preview the Azor's uh, elocutors. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys did a fantastic rollout for it. Doing this in theme story about, you know, the Azorius uh, Senate determining whether or not to preview it and and going through the whole process. And so the Elocutors is one of my my favorite things about magic is introducing an alternative win condition. So for five mana, for three, and then it's a hybrid blue white blue white, you get a creature that's a three five. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you put a filibuster counter on Azor's Elocutors. Then, if it has five or more filibuster counters on it, you win the game. So you just have to get this guy out and let him sit there mm-hmm. for five turns. You have to keep him alive. Keep him alive. And the, the way that your opponent can compete with it is that if he deals damage to you, you, you lose a counter off of the elocutors. Mm-hmm. So you have to not only keep him alive for five turns, but also prevent yourself from taking damage yeah. for five turns.
1: It's pretty challenging. It's
0: really challenging, but it's it's an interesting idea and it's an interesting Johnny win condition where it you can, can
2: go, be challenging, except for two words. Palisades Giant. Four white-white. All damage that will be dealt to you or another permanent you control is instead dealt to him. I'm sorry, he's a 2-7. Two 2-7, seven. Two seven. yeah. Okay, but he'll, he'll sustain a large chunk of damage. He'll be able to get a large chunk of damage. Yep.
1: Are you building a deck over here? It sounds, like it
2: sounds like he's got <laughs> the
0: I, I was actually thinking, wondering if this deck was feasible for Return Ravnica block constructed. You know, with enough detain creatures with the mechanics for Azor's Elecutors and... Uh, making use of the Palisades Shine and stuff Probably. like that. Probably.
2: It could be done. It could I be an interesting be idea.
0: How about you? What?
1: My favorite cards have actually stuck pretty pretty true to what I felt when I first played in the pre-release. Uh, I still really like uh, Common Bond is actually a great Common, uh, and uh, Dead Ridge Goliath was one that I was really impressed with. The
0: 5-mana for 4. Yeah. I'm sorry, the 5-5. Five, five the
1: 5-5 five, five for 4-mana. Four. And Grove of the Guardian is also just so powerful.
0: Yeah, and that was the Celestia Preview card, and the face card of the intro packs, if I remember yes. correctly.
1: Yes, yeah, both, which okay. I've done an intro pack war that felt very similar to my pre-release deck because of that.
0: Right. We are both staring at you oh. me. <laughs> Uh
2: You know, like I said, I haven't had much time to play, and so there are cards that I really want to check out and play with that I haven't gotten the chance to do so. Uh, like Dread even though I'm playing Rakdos, I think Dread is an amazing card for two minutes. Destroy a creature or a Planeswalker. Like, that's pretty intense right, right there. That's That was pretty uh,
0: d- divisive in people's minds when they saw the card. Some thought that destroy target Planeswalker was something that we would never do. Yeah. And this is the first time we've ever done it. So...
2: Um, but there's a lot of cards I haven't gotten to check out. Like, I haven't gotten to, to to mess with the Draco Genius, Niv Miz of the Draco Genius. Yeah. And I'm like, man, he looks so awesome, but I don't have one yet, and so I want to, to mess with that. I would have to say, honestly, if I had to pick a favorite card out of this, and it's solely for the artwork, that would be inspiration. Inspiration yeah. is the three and a blue, and it's an instant target player to play, draw two cards. But the artwork looks like Christopher Lloyd from Back to the Future. Yeah. When Marty McFly goes back in time, he's got that really weird contraption tied to his head that he's trying to read his thoughts. It's just, I see that, and I'm just like, great, Scott! I can't even do a Christopher Lloyd but that's exactly <laughs> what, I, what I think of.
0: Well, with that said, we're about to have Gavin Verhey join us in the booth, and we will uh, pick back up with him. So we will be back in just a minute. And we're back. With, in the booth, for the first time ever, the first Daily MTG Podcast guest, R&D's developer,
3: Gavin Verhey. How you doing, man? I am awesome. I'm so excited to be back on the airwaves. It's been a long time away from podcasting, so to get to do it on Daily MTG's very own podcast is pretty exciting. And get to do it as an official Wizards employee. Right, as an official Wizards employee. Uh, I got hired as of yesterday, so I was brought on... The way things kind of work inside Wizards is you get brought on as a contractor, as an intern or associate developer. Right. And then over the course of six months to a year, they kind of cultivate your talents and see if you are a good fit inside the company. Some people are let go at the end of that year because we like you know new ideas to come in. And some people are hired back on. And I was one of the lucky few who made it back on. So I'm pretty excited to be a part of the company now and be able to do whatever you think might happen to this game for years to come yep <laughs> that was one of my
0: I mean I'm super excited to have you writing for me for Daily NTG but it was one of those things we sort of discussed at the beginning was having you write a column and then you're an intern and then something happens where, you know, maybe you don't get picked up or you get an offer somewhere else. Like, what would happen to the column? So I'm super excited (laughs) not to have to worry about replacing the column. Well,
1: I'm super excited to have Gavin here because I've known him for years. We actually went to college together and majored in creative writing You
0: guys are both from up here in the Pacific Northwest, whereas Robles and I moved here, right? Like, you grew up down up here. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Over in
1: Spokane.
3: Yeah, I grew up around here, too. And, yeah, Keith and I went to college together and studied the intricacies of the writing languages. And Did you
1: major in creative writing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so
3: you're both that. creative writing majors. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're creative writing and, um, yeah, we wrote a lot of stuff and then, you know, ended up making magic cards right. and working on Magic's brand team, so. Right. Yeah. Well, we,
0: we have physicists and all sorts of people in R&D.
3: Yeah, I, I feel like R&D is just like, we could be curing some <laughs> terrible
2: disease and in, instead we of making magic We cards, are. just <laughs> curing a terrible right. disease. It's right. called board in, board
3: <laughs> <up>.
2: <laughs> See, I'm super excited to have Gavin here because it's, he's the very first guest. He is the first <laughs> that's, that's why. And we're going to get him a fruit basket. Uh, Nobody else is going to get the fruit basket, ever. Oh, you're yeah. the only ones going to get the fruit basket. I love basket. fruit. brag I, about
1: the fruit basket. You can brag fruit.
2: about the fruit basket. It's a fruit on my way over here.
3: Actually, at home, I should just make a list of all my official titles and be like, <laughs> the, like first podcaster on yeah. the Daily Energy podcast as <laughs> a guest host. That's right. I, I said earlier, you're a developer in R&D. Yeah, well, so technically, if you look at what my job title is, it's a designer. But the okay. way things are working is we used to have designers and developers, and it was just had a lot of terms, and outside the company, it got, got very confusing. Also, as the games industry has moved along, developer means something very different now, right? right. If I tell you I'm a developer, you think I'm working on computer code, which is right. emphatically not what I'm doing most of the time. So I wear many hats down there. Right. So I'm a designer, technically, but I work on the development side still. Okay. Um, you know, I do work on both Magic and Kaijudo, uh, developing and playtesting the sets. I do still plenty of design work. I think what people don't realize is design and development do merge in many places, and it's not just a clean transition between the two, and I design a lot of cards and have a lot of cards in Return to Ravnica and Gatecrash, so... There's That's right. Is, so Return of is the
0: first set that you worked on when you joined the company as an intern,
3: right? Right, yeah. I came in and it was just entering. And some of the last cards were being chosen, or were filling holes right as I got here. So I was actually going to sneak a couple cards under the wire into the set. And then it was actually on the development team for Gate Crash. So yeah. a lot of really awesome cards in there, including a couple Mythic Rares. So there's some good stuff Ooh. coming out. of But
2: actually, it was fun because uh, Gavin, as Trick mentioned earlier, Gavin's joined us when we played some of our league matches. And I was playing in my match against Tifa. And I was like, bam, destroy Mono. Colored creature, uh, ultimate name. price. Thank you. He, he knows all the cards, he's <laughs> yeah. he yes. who he I go to when I need to know I, And I was like, I'm gonna play ultimate price. And Gavin was like, Yeah, I designed that card. I was like, and then later on, I was like, Oh, I can't use my ultimate price on this 8-8, you know, this token. He's like, Oh man, I'm sorry. And my natural reaction was like, No, nah, man, it's not your fault. And he's like, No, actually, it's not your fault. I designed the fun. card to be monoculture.
0: That's right, you can actually hold a grudge against the player. For, right. <laughs> right for not being able
2: to take care of an 8 I have the
3: rare superpower in RD to actually know what the cards' names are, like, everybody calls them by their playtest names, and I have the very rare ability to be able to tell you what the artwork (laughs) and actual name of a card is, for most cards. I actually had a question
1: about that. I was wondering, like, is it weird when the name changes to something else to keep track of your own card?
3: So it's not really that strange. Uh, What happens is we have an internal program called Multiverse that has all of our data in it and what all the cards do, and the creator team has access to that, so as cards' names get updated, they'll update that list, and then we print out stickers and put them on top of other cards to playtest. The way it ends up working out is when you put out a new sticker, it'll have the new name on it. But most of the time, people will just reference things by the original name because it's like, this was... For example, I'll give you an example. When I first got here, I played a lot with what we now, now know as Yeva, the 2GG two, the two GG44 with Flash. Your green creatures have Flash. From M13. From M13. Uh, his playtest name, or her playtest name, was Sarnak the Sudden. And so everyone keeps talking about Sarnak, Sarnak, Sarnak. And I'm looking through the cards I'm like, I can't find a Sarnak anywhere. I don't know what this Sarnak <laughs> yeah. card is. And it was Yeah, So there's some confusion, but most of the time people get it, and we can always just say what the card does sure. if you don't.
1: Is it exciting so. to see your cards get finalized with names?
3: Oh, it's absolutely exciting. Because yeah. you get to see, like, so you have the concept down, so you have, you know, basically what the flavor of the card's going to be in your head, you know, what it does flavorfully, and you have what the mechanics are, but when you get to see the names and especially the art, it's like the full package. Like I actually. About once a week, I'll check to see what new artists come in to see which of my cards have art, what they look like, because that's what players are going to hold in their hands, and they're going to know your card by that picture as they right. play the game. Yeah. Right when they put it in their decks, that's what your cards always going to be known as. I mean, the the art is almost as iconic as the name, or even more iconic for many cards, mm-hmm. for, especially so. for international players.
0: Like uh, when, right. you, when you find international players on the pro tour. They look at the art more than the names because they may not play in English in their home country. Right. Uh, the other thing that I found interesting when I joined Wizards was when I realized that R&D, when we do our slideshows, which is the first chance for a lot of the company or a lot of people involved with the sets to see the nearly final card images, R&D's first thing they look at almost universally is the flavor text. Because that's something they don't, they don't get to see during their playtests. They don't get to see uh, that sort of stuff. So it was, it was really interesting to me to realize that that was another aspect that a lot of players overlook. But that's one of the things that R&D, for example, finds most interesting when they first get to see the final cards.
1: I know it's been really exciting for me. I did Flavor Text, which means... So the, so the Flavor Text team names, cards, and writes the flavor text. It's not just flavor text. And I know it's been really exciting for me watching in multiverse cards get finalized. So I was very curious, you know, the reason I asked was because I wanted to know like from the other end what what it was like.
3: Yeah, there's a, it's very interesting. Um, Especially my favorite part is not, actually the end result. I mean, I do love the end result, but it seems all in, seeing it all in process, because you'll see, like, sketches coming. For example, if you've ever looked at an Arcana, and Monty Ashley has put up sketches of how the cards have looked in various forms, you can go in and see all those sketches for every card. You can see all the art descriptions for every card. You can see what, you know, what the card was concepted as, and when we concept cards, like, it's just, someone writes up a small little blurb about what the card is going to look like. It sends that off to the artist and for the flavor team to kind of know, you know, what they should be working on. So, it's very interesting to see it all kind of come together piecemeal, a bit out time until you
2: have a completely finished work of art which is right. phenomenal was there ever a card that had like this awesome code name that you just really enjoyed like you know like you knew you're like all right and i know this isn't gonna be the name of the final product but was there ever a card that just had this awesome code name like i know uh, when Loli- when loading ready run got to preview uh Mercurio chemistry somebody on twitter was like oh i love that that was what we called the absent minded professor in r&d and yeah. that made them and they were like oh my god we love this card even yeah. more so like because of the name, and so I'm just wondering if there were cards like that that you like you knew that wasn't going to have that final name, but you're just like that's an awesome sort of code name for now.
3: There are a couple good ones in Gate Crash and Sinker that I can't talk about yet. But my favorite one awesome. from Return to Ravnica is definitely Horncaller's Chant. That's what you guys know it as. It's the seven G sorcery that makes a four four Rhino and then populates.
1: I do know that card.
3: Right. <laughs> card. In, in playtesting though, it had the fantastic name of Uh Oh Rhino. <laughs> Call the cards. I, you will never, like, if I cast that card, it is always, uh-oh, I yeah, Seriously, that is what I'm
2: so. going to call that card from now on.
1: That's great. Yeah.
0: So let's let's move on. <laughs> we t- touched on the interesting fact that Gavin, you and Tifa lived up here, grew up up here. And you were actually at the last time we had a pro tour here in Seattle. You didn't play at it. You were just there as a, a, a fan, right? I was judging it, actually. Oh, you were judging it. I, okay. and I
2: was judging the events for the pro tour. Okay. Should we talk about Gavin's magic history? I mean, obviously, he's touched a little bit about it, but we haven't really delved into your history of magic. Like, you just said you were judging the Pro Tour. How did you go from Gavin, the nice guy, magic player, to Gavin, the nice guy, judge, to Gavin, the nice guy, now officially working, it was just the coast. Good guy, Gavin. So, guy,
3: Gavin. so I guess I'll give you my history. So I was born in 1990, <laughs> and then stuff kind of happened for ten years. I just, like, arbitrary thing. I think I tried playing sports at one point, I don't know. And then... I started playing Magic when I was 10. So, you know, I'm playing a sweet game, like, you know, casting these Drudge skeletons and, like, pulling them out of the graveyard when I regenerate, because that's what you do when you're 10. And then eventually I, like, went to the Odyssey pre release. And Randy Bueller, who is the Aaron Forsythe back then, is there. He's, you know, the one of the high ups in r and and he's gun slinging or spell slinging. And so I, I go over and I want to talk to him, and I sit down to play him, and I'm, I've been working on game designs in my head. I'm like, I'm going to be a Magic designer one day. I want to go do this, I want to work on Magic cards. So I ask him, and I'm like, all right, Randy, what do I need to come work at Wizards? I'm 11 years old at this point. Like, how can did, I you call, did you call him Randy as an 11-year-old, or did you call him Mr. Beaver? I called him Randy. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to be real with him. You know, we're going to have okay. a real adult conversation <laughs> here. Fair enough. Um, and so I say, Randy, all right, I want to work at Wizards. How can I do it? And he's like, all right, get, all right kid. You need two things. The first is you need a college degree. I'm like, when am I going to get one of those? Like, that's going to be forever from now. How am I going to get one of those? That's I'll never get this job. And then the second thing is like, the second thing you need is you need to be someone who will recognize playing on the Pro Tour, I've shown success. I'm like, well... This whole college degree thing, but I, I don't know what know about that. But I guess I could probably like play on the pro tour. That's not too hard, right? How could it possibly be? So then, you know, I um, <laughs> I paid my way through college playing magic on the uh, a tournament series that rewarded scholarships, the Magic Super Series. Right. And I graduated college and did some other work for a while. Played in a bunch of pro tours and grand prix, and I wrote a lot. And I write for Daily MTG now, and I ended up landing a job here, which is what I've always wanted to do, so 11 years after the fact, I got my dream job, and I'm pretty excited about it. For those of you playing along at home, I just want to point out that Gavin was judging the side events
0: at the Pro Tour at the age of 13 years old, in, <laughs> case, in, in case you weren't counting that up in your head. I
3: think it was 14, but yeah, same same kind of deal.
0: Uh, that's fair, 2004, yeah. Okay.
3: Four, 14, that's a <laughs> right. completely different story. Yeah, that's a completely different story. No <laughs> longer interesting. Um, yeah, so I, I was level 2 judge, or level 1 judge for a while, and eventually right. level 2 judge, so I did a lot of playing, but I also feel like knowing the rules is important and getting to interact with players in different capacities I did a lot online I you know did a lot of podcasting I did a lot right. of writing so I liked interacting with the community and I eventually even got to play on the community cup which is coming up here shortly yeah yeah um, and it'll be fun cuz I'll be on the other side this time so I won on the community cup and uh, my efforts were a huge part of that I built all the decks or helped build all the decks in some cases and this time around I'm building the decks for the Wizards team so it's like I wanted to do it for both sides we'll see Ken Gavin do it for both sides <laughs> Uh, that'll be quite the feat. That'll be another thing to go on the title block on my that wall. That's right.
0: your are growing Magic Resume. Right. So it's been eight years since the Pro Tour has been in Seattle, but we have it coming up here, and it's going to be Pro Tour Return to Remika. First set you worked on, first Pro Tour in
3: Seattle since you joined Wizards. Having pro tours here is so great because I have so many friends on the pro tour. I don't get to see them that often. And especially now that I'm working here, I used to travel around and we had a real sense of commodity, right? Because we would be in the same city every weekend in the same kind of hotel rooms and playing the same games and all this kind of stuff. And now I don't get to do that as often because I'm here. Right. Um, and I love being here. You know, I wouldn't give it up for the world. But it's great when all my friends come into town because it's like, okay, let's hang out, have a good time. Let's see everybody. Um, and it's super exciting to have them all coming here.
1: That's actually really exciting for me, too, because I wasn't even playing Magic eight years ago. Right, so you're it'll just be a couple awesome. years away. Yeah, this will actually be the first Pro Tour I have went to.
3: And Pro Tours are so much fun to go to. I mean, you just sit, walk into the room, and there's all the best players in the game sitting down, playing something they're truly passionate about, and they've flown from all over. You know, I remember walking through my first Grand Prix and Pro Tour, and you just have you know Japanese in one year, and you have some... European language you don't even recognize in the other ear, and there's like loudspeakers that are booming in English, and you have all these players, but they're all speaking the same language, which is great. They're all speaking magic. Right. You know, there's like someone talking Japanese and someone talking Czech, but the game they're playing, they all recognize what's going on, which is fantastic for a game to just draw people together like that. Now, not only is it exciting
0: from your guys' experiences with the Pro Tour coming to Seattle, but also it's going to be exciting for a lot of players because this is going to be the first Pro Tour where the set they're playing with is available on Magic Online. So people are going to be able to watch the coverage of the the drafts of Return to Ravnica, watch Modern being played with Return to Ravnica, and then be able to go on Magic Online and see Return to Ravnica on their computers, drafting it whether it's with the original client or if they're using the new beta client. I mean, that's going to be really cool. And it's also going to have an impact on the preparations of the players for the Pro Tour. They're going to have a full week to mess with with, uh, Return to Ravnica on Magic Online.
3: Yeah, I remember. We always called it the pre-release scramble, where right. all the pros would descend on their pre-releases, trying to win packs for upcoming Pro Tour. They're playing as many flights as they could, garnering packs so they could get in enough drafts before the Pro Tour hit. For uh, I remember it was Pro Tour Prague, I want to say, which was Ravnica, and it was the same kind of deal. The extension pre-release, all the pros were there, trying to you know go four zero to get their you know three extra booster packs or whatever, and. You know, this time around, it's nice that they have a little bit of buffer. They don't have to feel so pressured about getting those packs, and they can play online. Because that's where a lot of pros play Magic, and if you want to get better, Magic Online is one of the best places to do it, because you have players who are at the top of the game playing on Magic Online. Magic Online has always affected the Pro Tour in many ways, you know. I mean, people playing constructed, I mean, for example, when you're testing for a block Pro Tour, you might not even have the third set on Magic Online, but you're still garnering data from the first two sets worth of cards. I think there have been Pro Tours in the past, actually, where the third set... Is available on Magic Online, or, you know, a brand new set is available sure, on Magic b- before Online? Before
0: we went to the new rotation.
3: But yeah, but re- in recent memory, this is one of the, you know, really the only one that's done it. Yeah. So I think players will definitely get a lot of good information from that. And if you want to find out what's happening on Magic Online, definitely go to mtgonline.com. On the right hand side of the screen, you can see recent four zero deck lists and 3 1 deck lists from daily event. So if you're looking, alright, what's going on in modern? I want to know. Let's find out.
0: And that's an excellent point, too. You mentioned Scape Shift. This is the first modern
3: event that we'll have that features Valakut back unbanned. Right. When the modern format first showed up, a bunch of cards were kind of banned preemptively, and we finally started to think about releasing some of those back to the public. So it's like, okay, well, we think this one's probably safe. We have the format to a position where we like it. We think this card is probably safe. Right. All right, so let's unban this and see what happens. And we unbanned Valakut, and people are pretty excited about playing it. That's for sure. Right. Uh, so, Mike
0: and Tifa, you guys have been waiting patiently over there as Gavin and I nerd hey, out. Of hey, a man, no, by. that's completely
2: fine. You just uh, nerd let, out all you want.
0: Let's transition to the Fantasy Pro Tour. I've given you guys two warnings. Your time is up. We're now going to talk about the Fantasy Pro Tour. We have all built our rosters. Are you guys ready to, to talk over your, your cards? I don't know. After listening to Gavin talk, I'm going to go back and change my <laughs> I'll <start> my laptop. <laughs> Let's let's start with of course the most exciting one the, the biggest points for the fantasy pro tour your planeswalker picks.
1: So before before we move into what our picks were I would like to point out that I stuck true to my guild and only picked cards that were green and white.
3: <laughs> okay.
1: So we'll see how that works for me. <laughs>
3: All right, uh, so my, my roster has a bunch of green cards, but no white cards. So
0: Interesting. So how this works.
2: My roster will probably change as soon as we're done recording.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have a blue-white card on mine. Ooh. We'll see exciting. how it goes. All right, so Planeswalker. Uh, Gavin, what's your
3: pick for the Planeswalker for Fantasy I think this will actually be more fun if you guys all tell me your picks and then I tell you what No, because then is.
0: you can change your picks because you don't have them written down in front of you.
3: All right, sure. <laughs> so uh, the Planeswalker I chose that I think will probably do the best at the Pro Tour is Liliana of the Veil. Vale. Uh, Liliana is a staple in the Jund deck that's been extremely popular yeah. in modern recently. And at, in modern at three mana, you can both discard cards, you can make them sacrifice a creature, and often modern players don't amass a ton of creatures. They'll have, you know, like a Tarmogoy for a Delver of Secrets. You know, Bloodbraiding Elfing, Bloodbraiding Elfing, no, Bloodbraid Elfing into Liliana is really a strong play. Like you turn four Elf, Liliana, you can activate her instantly. I think it's probably going to be the most played Planeswalker, but there are certainly some other good candidates. so I'd be curious to see what you guys thought.
0: I went for the the gamble. I'm go- I'm calling the new Ravnica Jace Jace Architect of Thought as a possible candidate for surpassing Liliana this event. Really, huh? he,
3: he seems pretty pretty sexy. If you can make a control deck work in Modern, he's practically like four mana draw three or draw you know four ish cards, and you right. get what you want. His plus one is somewhat relevant. Players have. And standard players tend to go a little bit wide with their creatures, as in they have lots of smaller creatures. In modern,
2: it's all more about having one big creature. But even then, the minus one on the front end can do a lot of good work. I actually picked, for Planeswalker, I had my original choice was Liliana of the Veil, which is why I made that noise when Gavin just said that he thinks that she was going to be, be the most good Planeswalker. But then, for some reason, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with Karn. I'm going to see what the, the kind of damage Karn can do. I mean, he's a, he's a seven cost, can go on any deck. It doesn't matter what color the deck is. He can go in there. Ramp can be huge, and can, he can get cast pretty easily. Yeah, I think uh, Louis Scott Vargas said it best
3: when people always ask him why he puts Karn in decks, and he always tells them it's because it's good against permanence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, so I mean, I think Tron decks are pretty strong in modern. You have the red green Tron deck and the blue white Tron deck, and Karn was actually a close runner up for me to Liliana. I think if either of those decks breaks out this weekend, and I won't be surprised if one of them did, Karn is a card that you're going to see in all those deck lists. Tifa, what did you pick?
1: I picked Garrick Primal Hunter.
3: That's a green
0: card.
1: That is a green.
0: So card. far, you're on strategy.
1: I am. I am hoping to see a green deck that we maybe haven't seen before. I will tell you the cards that have come out.
0: I will tell you that my large creature is a green creature.
1: Awesome.
0: Ooh. I, I picked been. so large creature is the second category for your fantasy lineup, and I actually picked prime time, Primeval titan.
1: I as, almost picked that.
0: Yeah. What, what did you pick instead? A model worm. Uh, okay.
1: I'm hoping there's going to be a new deck, like a deck that just comes out of nowhere.
3: How could you not pick Armada Worm? Look at all those green and white mana symbols in the mana cost.
1: There's four of them.
3: How could you not take that card? You're like Selesnia, sign me up. I got this. What's your pick, Gavin? I uh, you got it right on here. I took Primeval Titan. I think uh, a lot of people have been talking about Scapeshift this weekend, and I think Primeval Titan is going to be pretty integral in the green-red Scapeshift deck. Not so much the green-blue-red, but if the green-red shows up, yeah. Primeval Titan's going to make a big splash in modern. So the category for large creatures has to cost 5 or more more mana. Right. And 5 or more mana creatures are generally not played that much in Modern just because, I mean, once you get up to that point, you can do something really degenerate and often you're casting some insane spell or something. Right. So Pregnant Plane is one of the few big creatures I think could see play,
2: and I think it will see Plane play this weekend. Mike, why did you get there? Again, I was going to go with Primeval Titan, but I was like, you know what? Everyone's going to play Primeval Titan. Maybe it's time for a change because because what happened is so. Here's the thing: I was, yes, I know I wasn't going to play it, but there's going to be those people <laughs> that are going to build the deck to defeat that deck that everybody's playing.
0: But you but you don't get points based off of which deck does better. You get points off of which one is played more.
2: I understand that. No, but... you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you understand that now? Well, know, no, I'm saying I understand that, but it's like I, that's not how I chose. For that's, that's the only reason I actually chose the, my large creature that way is because I was like, all right, again, I'm, I'm going with more of a ramp strategy. And while well, yes. Primeval Titan's Titan is going to uh, be huge in ramp. For me, I was like, you know what, Grave Titan, because you can easily, like Gavin said, you're not going to play a ton of big cost creatures. Because when you do, stuff is going to start getting crazy. but the Grave Titan, stuff is going to start getting crazy. The minute he comes into play. Right. There's a couple good candidates I think for that slot too. Um, you know, I think Emrakul
3: is pretty reasonable. Like, a lot of people will be playing Emrakul this mm-hmm. weekend just as a top end finisher in their 15 <laughs> mana top end finisher. You can, you know, like <laughs> through the breach into play. The world we live in. Right. The world we live in. You know, <laughs> through the breach into play. Tron landed out. Also, I almost chose Kiki-Jiki because of how that works with yeah. uh, in the Restoration Angel combo decks with Pastor yeah. Might. Sure. But the issue is most decks that are playing it in the Birthing Pod decks only, only play one Kiki-Jiki, so it's hard to get maximum points on it. Right.
0: Uh, medium creatures, next category. Oh, can I actually tell a story? We oh, sure. Those, so what Mike was just talking about? <laughs> By all about. means.
3: Great. So <laughs> I will tell you a story, Mike. So it's <laughs> funny. So you can you you the opposite decisions. There was an Onslaught Block Grand Prix way back when. This is with morph creatures. So if you guys don't, out there don't know what morph is, they're creatures you could put face down for three mana as a 2-2 creature. You could turn them face up at any time uh, for the morph cost. So Mike Flores, who writes for our site, writes yep. the top decks. He was playing this Grand Prix, and he made day two, and he found he just couldn't make the right decisions with, with his morphs. So in every match he played on second day, he just thought about whatever decision he would make and then made the opposite decision. <laughs> and he ended up making money at the Grand Prix. He was like, what, what would I do? All right, let's not do that. Nice. So, some, so sometimes, maybe that's what you have to do for the next fantasy approach where it's like, all right, well, I think I should switch. Nah, let's we'll do it exactly what I wouldn't do. Yeah,
2: well, so. I did that for my first two picks for sure. The rest of the picks, I was kind of like going, like looking at other decks, looking at reviewing old videos and doing stuff like that. yeah. yeah. But those first two cards are the ones that I was like, all right, I want to go slightly different. Yeah, I spent a long time looking at large creatures. Yeah. yeah.
0: Medium creature. Robles, what did you have for medium creature? I actually
2: picked uh, Vendillion Click.
0: That is that is a card.
1: That's a really good card.
2: Yeah. It is, and it's it's one of those things where I've seen it make splashes before in modern. Like, it's, it's one of those kind of cards that it just kind of comes out. It's not necessarily... Like it's t- I wouldn't say it's tough to beat, because there's tons of ways around it, but it, it's a definitely a good stopper, and I've seen it played a lot before, and I think it's one of those cards where it's still still going to have a chance right. in, in this modern tournament.
0: Jennifer, what did you pick?
1: Dead Bridge Goliath.
0: Dead Bridge Goliath, yeah. Four
3: mana, five, five. I hear that's good. Four mana, five fives are pretty strong.
2: Uh, I chose a four mana creature as
3: well. I took I, vanilla it was my second choice. It was really close. I actually stared at my computer screen for a long time on this one. Uh, I ended up taking Bloodbraid Elf. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the Jund deck is going to be fairly popular. If you don't know what you're going to play, um, Jund is going to default also at the Pro Tour. It's half draft and half constructed. So a lot of players will be like, okay, I'll master the draft format. Then I'll play a uh, modern deck that'll get me, you know, a 3-2 record. You know, And Jund is very capable of doing that. You know, it has powerful draws, it has weak draws, and, you, you know, you'll do fine. So I think Liberty Elf is going to be popular, but... Vendelian Click is so strong. I mean, three mana flash, three one, it blocks, it takes a card out of their hand, yeah. and cycle cards out of your own hand. Right. I think both those are very
0: strong picks. I went for the one off, sort of like Latif over there, hoping for a new deck to show up. I picked Gerard, Golgari, Lichlord. Oh, nice. I mean, you have to understand, this is, I'm going to tell you, my favorite deck archetype ever is the Rock decks. The green black control. I, I want that deck to come back and stand victorious over the fallen enemies on the battlefield. And I feel like Gerard could possibly be the centerpiece for a new rock deck. Okay, let's go on to small, small creatures. Uh, Jennifer, what would you pick for your small creature?
1: Noble Hierarch, actually. Noble Hierarch, yeah, yeah.
3: Noble Hierarch is a good There See, the thing about Modern is it's kind of on the other end, where it's like, okay, large creature, that's hard to figure out. But small creature, so much happens in Modern at 1 and 2 mana. Right. It is tricky to figure out what the best small creature is.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I went, I went with Noble Hierarch because it gives you mana, it has Exalted... And it's in my
3: colors. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a blue mana symbol. What's that yeah, all about? Well, you got to splash Azorius you, somehow. You've you got to
1: splash that Detain, like but, I was
3: saying. Or, or, or say Nick when Skate Crash comes out, right? Yeah. Right.
1: Uh, but Noble Hierarch is a great card. Um, and I saw it and couldn't really pass up.
3: Absolutely. I think Noble Hierarch is going to be a pretty popular card this weekend. If you're playing a green deck, I mean, it's, it's better than Birds of Paradise in most cases. Just crazy powerful. Yeah. And it goes well.
1: It's funny that you say that. I was originally going to pick Birds of Paradise, and then... When I was, like, thinking about it, I was like, "Mobile Hierarchs just better. Like, it does, like, even a little bit more. Like, it doesn't have flying, but the Exalted, like, there might be an Exalted deck.
3: Well, and the Exalted is huge, especially for my pick, which is Tarmogoyf. Tarmogoyfs yeah. are star plus ones on the yeah. toughness. So if I have a 5-6 Tarmogwife and you have a 5-6 Tarmogwife, if I attack <laughs> mine gets bumped up to a 6-7, it will trump your Tarmogwife. So yeah. Exalt and work well together. I mean, I thought about a lot of different options for this slot. I, mean, I certainly thought about Delver of Secrets, Dark Confidants... That's my pick, um, Snapcaster Mage. Uh, that's my pick, um, and, and I think there's a lot of good options there. I think the top two will probably be Tarmogoyf and Snapcaster Mage. I end up choosing with Tarmogoyf. I mean, it's so ubiquitous, right? Like, right. if you have green mana in your deck, you're probably playing for Tarmogoyf, unless maybe though know, something to, that'll tilt the the uh, tilt the needle here a little bit is just that. And with the Scapeshift decks, so they don't actually need Tarmogoyf as much. Right. But they might be playing Snapcaster Mage to rebuy some of their Scapeshifts scape or various effects like that. Sure. So I wouldn't be surprised, maybe Snapcaster will overtake Tarmogoyf, but I think they're all good choices. You just can't beat a nice small creature, five, six for two mana, right? Sure. It's mean, <laughs> good value. It's pretty good value.
0: You bring up you bring up Snapcaster Mage, and that that card actually inspired my pick for instant, which was Cryptic Command, thinking back no, to the spoilers. <laughs> I was moving forward. Did you did you have more you want to say about small
3: creatures? Were you talked about Dark Confidant yet. Yeah.
0: Well, I mentioned it was my pick. I mean we can we can spend more time on it if you feel like it. You want to talk about awesome awesomeness of drugs or cards every no, turn? it's amazing, obviously.
3: <laughs> Dark, Dark Confidant is probably is one of the best two drops of all time. Nicknamed Bob as Bob Maher's Invitational Card, or Bob yep. Maher's Invitational Card, and of course Snapcaster Mage, Tiago
2: Chan's Invitational Cards. You can see the impact that these mages have had on Magic's legacy. It's pretty large. I actually was going to choose Dark Confidant originally, and again I waited. Flag like a really long time. I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to go Snapcaster. Just right. because, again, because he can buy back some of those early spells and I've seen, you know, I've seen Storm Decks just blow up, especially with Snapcaster. He's just like, oh, by the way, hang on. Let me do this again so I can build my 35 mana in turn two. Now can I move on to Instant? Is that okay? Everyone okay yeah. All
0: right,
3: as long as you're ready. All right. Cryptic Command. That's my pick. I think, it, it once again, Instant, so hard in modern. There's so many good flexible Instants over Magic's past several years that cost... A handful of mana. Cryptic Command is high up there. I think in the blue, red, green, Shift deck especially, it's going to be a huge player. You have to count, most of the time, you're going to counter and drop. So you get it dismissed. Mm-hmm. But tapping all their creatures to buy a turn is huge in that deck. It's right. like Zoo. Like When you're playing the blue, red, green, scapeshift deck, you're just trying to buy time. If you tap all their creatures, you're like, all right, great. I just time walked you, essentially. Right. My choice is standard, modern, legacy, staple, classic, lightning bolt. Just one mana. Three damage. It's about as simple as it gets, but it's hard to do better than that mm-hmm. in modern. I mean, I think there
2: are a lot of other good picks. I think Path to Exile is a great pick. I think
1: mine's Common Bond. Why sounds, so... I
2: know you're like so timid and almost embarrassed by it. Like
1: I chose silly picks because I want to see. Hey, what that's happens. fine. No, there's
2: no there's no reason to be embarrassed about them. Just wait when the Sludgey deck
3: wins the Pro Tour. Yeah,
1: <laughs> then I'll will win the Fantasy Pro Tour.
3: Right. Nobody will have a chance. Be like, I didn't expect Common Bond to win the Pro Tour. What's this craziness? They're like they're like putting. On common bonding, and then using like radnick block simic cards, like mess with the counters. <laughs> right.
2: You never know what's going to happen. So. I want
1: to see that happen.
2: Into, we get into what I call my row of one, where every card from here on out only has a casting cost of one. Oh, nice. Uh,
1: oh,
2: which that oh. means probably good choices for me. Which means I didn't really realize it until I actually started looking at it. Uh, I actually went with galvanic blast. I thought about lightning bolt for for a long time, um, but then like for some reason I was just oh wait, there was that. Protor or uh, GP or something that happened not too long ago, or like Galvanic Blast was like the huge win for that. I was like, Nah, eh, go with this for now. Well, yeah,
3: and in the Metalcraft deck,
2: the formerly Affinity, but doesn't actually have any Affinity cards anymore right. most of the yeah.
3: time, or I guess we call it the Cranial Plating deck. That's how it normally wins. Yeah, but you know, having you know four damage for one mana is just so powerful. And that if that deck breaks out this weekend, that could be a card that could just skyrocket up on your
2: fantasy roster. Yeah. Yep. Sorcery. Mike, start us off this time. Uh, I chose Duress, actually. I, I like being able to see a card and hopefully get, getting rid of it, basically. Again, one mana it's cheap. You can turn one. Like, let me look at your opening hand. Oh, get rid of that. Like, that right. doesn't belong in there. Okay. Gavin, what would you get for your sorcery? Uh, so my first inclination was to choose Scape Ship. So I was thinking,
3: I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a big card this weekend. There aren't a lot of sorceries. But then I was like, wait a second. What goes in every combo deck? The innocuous Serum. So my pick was Sarah Visions. I think a lot of the Scape Ship decks will also be playing Serum Visions. I think... The Delver decks love Sarah Visions. I think a lot of the Snapcaster decks love Sarah visions It's you know it's crazy that we banned Ponder and Preordain, so people all are like, well, all right, next on the list, let's play Sarah visions, you know. Right. <laughs> so I think that'll be a pretty big, pretty big card this weekend, and you can look for the one mana card to be fueling Tarmogoyf and setting up storm combos and setting up Delver of Secrets, all kind of stuff.
1: Well, any good slow deck would need <laughs> Call of the Conclave, so that's what I picked.
3: 2-mana, 3-3, three, three. Uh, nice harken back to the original Watch Wolf of Ravnica, 2-mana, yep. 3-3, three, three centaur this time.
1: Yeah, and you can populate it. Like and you can It's pretty great. It.
3: What what is the coolest thing you could populate in modern? Like, what is the best token you could populate in modern? Like, is it a Chronozoa token? That's pretty
2: awesome, <laughs> right?
3: You could do in a Johnny token, an Avatar token.
2: That's pretty. Huge. Oh, that's good. Couldn't you uh, theoretically uh, copy anything? Because if you're Kiki Jiki in modern, you make a copy of a token and then populate Chico- whatever you like your amazing, Chico- right? you're whatever your amazing Kiki copy is, and you get to keep the cool. populated token until past the end. Yeah.
0: Right? Probably, Super tech. You just broke the format, Mike. That's, <laughs> right, Just just wait. It's going to be
2: Druid's Deliverances all the way down to <laughs> the <press> <laughs> right. yeah, That's where the Johnny comes in. The weird, right. like, it was, we're going to go. And I make a weird copy with kiki and be like, oh, that's a token. Bam. And just populate that guy. So my sorcery was, as Gavin predicted,
0: scapeshift. Uh, I, I'm, I'm banking on Valakut doing well now that it's back legal in the format. Uh, and that sort of harkens back to what you said, where I expect the players to go with a deck that they think can get them, you know, three, two, four, ones and focus their energy on draft. And I think that Balakut will be uh, will be that sort of deck for them.
3: Well, and in my experience, too, at the Pro Tour, draft is really, really important just because you play fewer rounds of draft. You only play three rounds as opposed to five and six rounds between both days. But if you have a bad draft, you're just going to 0-3 or 1-2. Mm-hmm. Where with your constructed deck, it's like, okay, I'll put in you know some amount of effort and end up with a pretty good deck. If you just draft poorly once, you could be done with the Pro Tour. Right. So a lot of players really do put a lot of effort yeah. into the Pro Tour draft.
0: Yep, absolutely.
3: Uh, enchantments.
0: Now, this is, this is one that I had a lot of trouble with. I could not figure out a good enchantment to pick. I thought about doing uh, Splinter Twin for Kiki-Jiki combo decks, yep. and I decided not to. I ended up going, again, with a Rab- Return to Ravnica card, Detention Sphere. Hmm. Uh, banking on that being an answer for against Zoo or other sort of generic answers.
3: Send them right to detention, be yes. like, no, get, get out of here, steplings. You go to the principal's office. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's that's a pretty good pick. I mean, I think enchantment was hard for me too. There's only so many enchantments that could play in modern. I think Splinter Twin is a pretty defensible pick. I ended up choosing Prismatic Omen. Um, okay. So Prismatic Omen is a combo card with the Hood, If you don't know how it works, Prismatic Omen says all your lands have every land type. So they'd have for every color. But the other benefit is they're all mountains. So your Valakutz are now. That's true. So when you scape shift, you can scape shift on way fewer lands actually because you don't need all those extra mountains because the Valakutz count themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So you can kill them super fast with a, with an early prismatic omen in a Valakutz deck. So I, that's my pick. If Valakutz breaks out, it's going to be great. Otherwise, it's going to be
2: zero points for Gavin. <laughs> so
0: Robles, what'd you get for enchantment?
2: I chose Rancor actually. It's, oh yeah, it's a pain in the butt card to play against, and you know unless it gets discarded or countered or something, then it's pretty much there forever. And Rancor actually showed up some in Modern too. Uh, with
3: the Infected deck, there's an Infect deck running around on Magic Online, and you can kill them really fast in Modern with all the pump spells you have. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And Rancor is a huge part of that. The Trample's big, the plus 2 plus 0, the Returning. It's one nice little package.
0: I sure.
1: also picked Rancor.
3: That is green.
0: You are still on plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay, Artifacts. Now, Artifacts, how are you going to do this green white, Jennifer? This is what I want to know.
1: Well, I picked. Sort of warm piece. Oh, okay. So I, Did I, pick I didn't rune. That's you what could. I, I, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You could play it in a green white deck. I actually, I really like swords. They're one of the things I'm gonna miss from you know standard switching recently. Right. Um, I'm really gonna miss swords. So I wanted to pick one, and I think that sort of warm piece will be the best in the modern format right now.
2: Cool, cool. Uh, Mike, what do you have? I actually chose, uh, again, sort of like what you did, something an answer card, and I chose Pithy Needle, yeah. and then it would be a good answer card for a lot of the a lot of the decks that are going to be coming out there. Like, if you're going to want to stop a deck, you're going to play a Pithy Needle to stop cards out there. Gavin? Uh,
3: so I thought about this one for a while. There's a lot of good artifacts in Modern. A cranial Plating, I thought, was a pretty good good contender because of Affinity. Aether Vial. we saw and showed you. Yeah. I that's Oka's deck. And Aether Vial. there's some really cool stuff you can do with it, where you're like, Oh, my, I, my favorite play at the player championship I saw was end of your turn Aether Violin Huntmaster of the Fells untap he immediately flips because right. the no spells were cast that turn that was just brilliant yep. um, the card I ended up choosing though was Birthing Pod I think like the pod decks have to do well but that deck is so yeah. strong and there's so many cards in Modern you can choose from to put into your pod I, I mean I think that deck has had really good results and I think it'll do well at the Pro Tour too but I think a lot of your artifact is choosing like okay Birthing Pod decks we're going to play Birthing Pod are, uh the Metalcraft decks are going to play Cranial Plating. It's like, which one deck do you think is going to do well here? Because a lot of the artifacts aren't ubiquitous. Right.
0: I ended up going with Ether Vial because of Shota's deck, because that play was amazing. It also had an impact on me. It just awesome. And so I sort of picked my cards between Valakut and Shota's deck. Like, I have Cryptic Command, I have Ether Vial. Yeah,
3: I mean, I mean the thing about that Huntmaster plays. It's like I played a lot of Magic. I thought about a lot of card interactions. I played on the Pro Tour a lot of times. I never even thought about that. It just blew my mind when I heard about it. It was like it was like I was doing basic geometry, and somebody just like solved Einstein's theorem. You right. know, it was just crazy to me. Yeah,
0: so. it was awesome. All right, last category before we get to the tiebreakers: land. What did everyone pick as their land? Jennifer, what would you get this time?
1: Go for the Guardian. Go I feel like it's
0: a huge surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Making the 8-8 tokens. 8-8 tokens still bash face in Modern. Uh, I will go next. I will say I picked the Valakut. Gavin, what would you get?
3: I chose a super boring pick, but it's a super safe pick. I took the wonderful land, Scalding Tarn. Every deck basically plays them because you know you kick up your Tarmogoy, to they just find you your Ravnica dual lands, right? And So it was actually, I was staring at my screen, Scalding Tarn or Misty Rainforest? Scalding Tarn <laughs> or Misty Rainforest, which is the one that I want. I ended up going with Scalding Tarn. I think it might see a little more play, but it's totally up in the air on which one. When you're building decks, in fact... It's just a toss-up sometimes which one you want. It's like, which ones do I own, right? right? Which ones on Magic Online do I have? Great, I'll play these ones. Which ones can I reach without getting up off the couch? Right, which art do I like more, you know? It's yeah. like, or you can play like this weird game of, okay, well, if they have Pithy Needle, I'll play three and three so that they have, they have a low chance if they ever Pithy Needle might fetch land. Right. But, you know, the odds of that are so low. It's really just which artists you like more. Right. Mike, your
2: land? <laughs> yeah, I sort of went the same way with the land. Like, I started all the land for a long time, and then I essentially decided that I was going to see... um. If for some reason Blue-White-Control makes a comeback, so I just chose Hollow Fountain. Now we come to the tiebreaker, which uh, really comes in. Like I, I know that for Pro
0: Tour, Avison Restored, the uh, the winner was determined off of the tiebreaker because they had picked Palo to, to do better than the other people who had the same roster. So for the tiebreaker... Robles, where do you start? I picked you. You want to not be actually the winner of the Magic
2: Player Championship. That seems like a fine choice, yeah. <laughs> Because the, the final the final thing was modern. I believe it was his modern deck that won. It was indeed. <laughs> Which I was like, <laughs> I'm going to go with what I know. It's the winner right there,
0: Jennifer.
1: I picked Jackie Lee because I'm such a fan of her. Um, but I just wanted to show my support to her.
3: Awesome pick. She's a great player. Jackie's totally awesome, and I think this is her year, too. She's been doing so well oh, yeah. this year. yeah, Like, she's been waiting for a breakout performance at a Pro Tour, and this would be a good one for her to top it. Non-spoiler she
2: should, spoiler she alert. She should take up my Celestia uh, <laughs> oh, <there you> <laughs> and, and non-spoiler spoiler alert, she'll be here for the Community Cup this year. She'll be playing. Wow. Even more awesome. Yeah, yeah it's it pretty awesome. Who's
0: awesome. your tiebreaker?
2: Uh, I chose, once again, I'm going to go with the old standby.
3: Paulo Vitor Damo de Rosa. He's a friend of mine. He's an awesome Magic player. And really, his stats are just absurd when you hear them. Yeah, and Paulo's a beast, no doubt about and, it. And, I mean, there's a lot of good picks for this event.
0: I'm going to take the Brazilian. I'll take Paulo. Robles, I'm your nemesis in this because I chose the man who Yuya defeated at the Magic Player <laughs> Championship. I, ch- I picked a Shota Yasuoka nice. as my, my, my champion to carry us through the modern Pro Tour. I,
3: I think, I'm just going to say it, guys. I think you're all going to lose. I'm going to take this one home. We should do a roundup
2: next week be like, who won? Except I won't be here, so when I be- beat all of you guys, it'll be... Uh, <laughs> you can- well, like <laughs> said, I'm probably going to change at least a couple of my cars after this discussion, but, you know... I'm not. I'm, I'm sticking, in. sticking to my... Yeah, AI. I like your style, Tifa. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep mine.
3: We'll, we'll see how this goes. I'm curious. I'll keep my two. I feel like it's kind of, you know, unfaithful of me if I just go back and change the map that we've all talked about. Especially already, since so. you stole all of our good ideas. Right. I can't wait to put common bond in my instant <laughs> so It's Like, oh, why did I do that first? <laughs> of course. I should have known.
0: Well, I have to say... That's been a pretty awesome first time for a guest on the Daily MTG podcast. I so too, yeah. Uh,
3: I mean, I just can't wait to come back. I mean, hopefully, I get to come back on the podcast someday. I, uh, I got my uh, my I, was, I know, man. It's a pretty so. busy
2: schedule, yeah. we're kind of popular now. Things are coming up. We got guests right. lined up until. I, that,
3: that's why I'm the guinea pig. It's like put Gavin
2: on. The new guy. <laughs>
0: he's, the, he's the new guy. At the time, he was an intern when we scheduled you. Now he's official staff, but he's still the new
2: right. guy. Like, stop making coffee and go get on the right. podcast.
1: He's a nice America. guy, so you know, you know, it's gonna be nice.
2: Ever since he got hired on full time, just walking, around, I went like, "I'm Gavin. Look at me. Put me on your podcast." And now it's going right. to his head. It's yeah. terrible. It's just like I've got a t-shirt that says, "I'm Gavin Verhage." You
3: know it's who right. I am? It's just oh, like man. that kind of. Okay. <laughs> I'll say this: I think we'll be having you back on. I don't know how
2: soon
0: because we have a couple of episodes already scheduled, but we'll get you back on here. We're also, you.
2: getting into holiday season, so you know, there's yeah. gonna be vacations and breaks. But the nice thing is, is what we'll already have a best of week. That's true. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh,
3: maybe I could tie this podcast to my article somehow, too. Who knows? We'll figure it out. If only your editor would allow you to do that. I don't know. Better talk to that guy. Yeah, we better figure that out. Well, uh,
0: for the Daily MTG Podcast, it has been awesome having Gavin Verhey, new R&D designer, here with us, along with my co-hosts, Tifa and Mike. I'm your host, Trick Jarrett. Uh, you can find all of us on Twitter. Uh, in fact, let's go around the table real quick. Uh, I'll be
3: Trick MTG on Twitter. I am at Michael Robles.
1: Tifa Mayan, T-I-F-A-M-E-Y-N.
3: And I'm at Gavin Verhey, G-A-V-I-N-V-E-R-H-E-Y.
0: And we will see you all in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Tell trick if you like me.